had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. I'm in love with Could you. make me be true. Snap out of it. Could make me be true. The magnificence that comes out of your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and the way you walk. You're lit from within, Tracy. It had to be you, wonderful you. It had to be you. Hello, romantics. Welcome to A Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Midish Mather, and it's the first episode of um, the latest miniseries that I'm going to be doing for the next few months, which is on um, sports movie romances or sports romance movies. Uh, I don't like to say that I don't really like sports. I don't like to watch sports or go to games or anything, but I do like sports movies um, a lot, and uh, I've seen a lot of them, and I decided to kind of focus on this theme because, you know, I guess um, baseball is wrapping up and basketball and football are starting, I guess. I mean, I don't know. But so it seems like sport, you know, kids are back in school. So it feels like it's a good time for for sports. And, um, you know, I think one of my favorite things about sports movies is that there's usually a love interest or a foil or some kind of um relationship drama in every kind of sports movie um and this episode we're talking about one of the classic you know sports movies i think one definitely like one of the most influential one that probably codified the genre for you know a whole new generation which is um uh rocky starring uh sylvester stallone and talia shire and uh, joining me for this is uh, fellow podcaster, Alisa Rivera. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me back. Um, I'm su- I'm, oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, Justin, I'm super excited to do this because I actually saw this in the theater at age 11 when the film released. And uh, I have a lot of memories actually about this film, so... Well, this that, is a good one. Is, um, that is great <laughs> to hear because I was... I want to uh, kind of get into your experience with um, with Rocky, the the first film, as well as the franchise, the character, and I'd love to hear about that experience seeing the movie uh, way back in the um, you know when it came out. Yeah, it came out in seventy uh, seven, I think, right? And um, I was eleven, and you know, it was a huge pop cultural event, and it was at a time when we didn't have social media or internet, you know, no Google searches or anything, no streaming. (laughs) So people went to the movies a lot, like they weren't expensive, you would go every weekend with your friends and family. And, um, and it was one of those movies that everybody saw, it was the number one movie that year. And I, it was interesting rewatching it, because I haven't seen it in at least it's gotta be 30 years, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really aging myself with that, but I remembered so much of it, you know? Uh, and it was the kind of pop cultural phenomenon where like he was on every talk show and uh, po- people had posters in their rooms and um, the music, the songs from the movie were being played on the radio. They became, you know, kind of pop hits. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was a big deal at the time. Um, another thing that's really interesting to me about the film is that 
even at the time, I remember because uh, I was a very uh, nerdy kid and I read a lot of reviews of the film <laughs> and uh, they all talked about how old fashioned the film is. Um, and I think that's correct. It's like that. It's time traveled to 1977 from 1933. Uh, you, it's very straight down the plate without a drop of irony sports film. Um that could definitely have come from the classic Hollywood era. And it came out at a time when there was this huge explosion of ex- experimentation going on in Hollywood, as you know. Mm-hmm. What do they call it? The American New Wave, I guess is what you would call it. Yeah, yeah. I think Taxi Driver came out the same year as Rocky. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and like Star Wars came out the year after and Jaws came out the year before. And, you know, this is when Spielberg and... um George Lucas were just starting their careers and becoming a big deal. So it's an interesting that this film became so popular at a time when, in general, the films weren't very traditional, you know, that were well-regarded films. There was a a big era of experimentation, but this is kind of a throwback. Um, But I guess people wanted a throwback, you know, they wanted something that was very... Uh, from the heart, lacking irony that you could just go in there and appreciate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and feel yeah. inspired by it. So, what's your like uh, knowledge of this film? Did you did you ever watch it before the podcast? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, this was you know like I remember like there were times when like the first it was always like the first four Rocky movies would always be playing like at some point every year and i definitely have memories of rocky one and rocky four um in fact well we i studied rocky in college in, in a film class um, mm. and um you know we talked about it in terms of it was like i think it was a genre film class and you know the topic was sports movies we watched this one as like the sports movie to watch mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. um Definitely one of those movies that I'd seen, like, I remembered so much of it watching it because I hadn't seen it in a number of years um, before watching it, you know, for this podcast. But it's definitely a movie that I had remembered a lot of. I mean, all like the classic moments, right? Like the steps and the montages and the final fight scene and the, you know, the skating rink, like all that, oh, stuff, yeah. I, all that stuff I remembered very clearly because you know, it's been parodied, of course, many times, and it's been paid homage to, and it's been a part of, you know, Oscar telecast montages and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'd, I'd, so I'd, I'd seen it a few times, but I hadn't seen it in a while. And I think even when, you know, the Creed movies were coming out, I don't think I really went back to watch these, um, because I, you know, I found, like, I really, I just, I don't know, it just didn't really interest me in the same way that I suddenly became interested in it as I was developing this, like, sports miniseries. And because, like, I agree that this movie has such a, like, classical, you know, like, Frank Capra-type vibe to it. Of It's very, like, earnest and sincere, and it's very straightforward in this way, but in a way that I found to be really refreshing, because I'm mean, thinking even now... Um, you know, I think there's such a need for sincerity in movies. And I, I found myself getting, I find myself getting very frustrated with a lot of the, like, you know, tendency towards like irony and like detachment mm-hmm. in movies today. So, you know, watching Rocky, I'm like, wow, like, it'd be so cool to have, I mean, we have, it'd be so cool to have a movie like this that really like sweeps the nation. I mean, I think the closest, I mean, 
you know, our last Best Picture winner, Everything Everywhere All at Once, I think is also a very sincere and authentic movie. So I feel like we're kind of leading back towards that. But um, I, I don't know, I really enjoyed watching it again. And um, I found that the, um, you know, the, the, uh, the sincerity of the movie is, I think, what really is the most, like, remarkable part of the movie is that, like, you know, Sylvester Stallone, I don't really know, like, it has always been like one of those guys that's been in like stupid action movies that I don't care about, <laughs> you know, right. but like, but like to see him like at the beginning of his career and to like, you know, I feel like he like, you know, like generated this character from himself. And it's so, um, it's just interesting to see him so young and especially kind of like knowing that like Rocky has so many sequels and, you know, I watched Rocky two and Rocky four after this. Um, I was mm-hmm. I was like with watching my parents, and they were not interested in Rocky three. So you watch two and four after this, and I'm kind of like a little bit of that charm got lost, you know, in the sequels. But oh, a lot of um, it. <laughs> and I I think it's some of that like nineteen like that mid nineteen seventies. Just something was in the air, right? With like Scorsese and you know Spielberg and George Lucas and all those guys, like. Um, you know, Brian De Palma, like they're all like creating something so unique. And I think even Rocky for all of its like old fashioned Hollywood storytelling, like had some of that like, um, scrappy energy to it. And I think that at like, it's kind of like, I remember thinking when I'm watching Rocky two, I'm like, you know, the Rocky one has such a perfect ending and it's such a like great movie. And then to, even if the sequels are good or bad, I mean, they all have their merits, but I'm like, something got lost there. <laughs> Oh, it totally got lost because it was a perfect story. It wasn't, I mean, no, no, no film is perfect, right? But it, it's yeah. a perfect story to me the way Casablanca is a perfect story. Like you could make a sequel about Casablanca, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, uh, with Remy and, uh, you know, Humphrey Bogart doing whatever they're going to do. But like, why would you? Like the, the film ended perfectly. So why keep going? Yeah. And that's how I felt about Rocky. And somebody I read on, Mine was like Rocky was the epitome of the 70s and the rest of the sequels are the epitome of the 80s. And yeah, yeah. I think that's accurate. <laughs> Having yeah. lived through both, <laughs> like I I can definitely I can definitely say that. It's really weird, you know, for me to watch this film too, because I went to school in Philadelphia and I started college in 1982. So it's just a few years after this film was released. So I know those neighborhoods where the film was made. And, um, you know, the gritty authenticity of the film and part of it is the budget, <laughs> which is very low. I mean, you know, the story I got maybe, but people may not know the story, which was that Sylvester Stallone wrote the screenplay and was offered a lot of money for it, but he would not have been able to star in it. And he refused the big money in order to hold on to the rights to to act in it. And um, he actually uh, passed on his screenwriting money in order to get the film, you know, to go to be produced and go ahead and had a relatively low budget. So this was definitely something uh, from the heart for him. And I remember at the time there were a lot of stories about him when this film came out because he grew up in this really difficult environment. Like he had a nerve damage in his face from an injury at birth and it affected his speech, which you can hear in the film. 
where you could just hear a period. He still has that speech thing going on. And he grew up like very insecure and not feeling good about himself. And his mom is kind of a messy person, if you know anything about his mother and his family. And so like, he didn't grow up with a lot of self-confidence. And so like Rocky as obviously an avatar for him. Um, and, the, and so the, the sincerity of the film is coming from Stallone, you know, mm-hmm. um, that that this is like a, a fictionalization of his emotional journey um to feel like he's you know worth something worthwhile um one of the things that i was really when i rewatched it i loved and i laughed because it's really obvious but it's what good is that the first thing you see after you see the giant name in rocky go past the screen is the face of jesus and then underneath it it says resurrection and then you see the Mm. boxing ring because they're boxing in the church yeah and that's the message of the film (laughs) (laughs) you know there it is it's like literally written on the wall for you and like part of me who is like the more cynical person is like ha 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 wow that's so obvious but then on the other hand and it's like you said refreshing to be like it's not pretending this is it this is what the film's about you know um they're telling you in the very first frame what you're in for and uh, you know, I just I just appreciated that, and I appreciated like all the little details. I thought that that a lot of the film comes out in the details, like the fact. And I remembered this before I rewatched it that the turtles are named Cuff and Link, yeah, which is hilarious. <laughs> but it's also like like this little, you know, in his apartment he has a mattress balled up so he can do his uh, punch work on this nasty ratty mattress in his apartment. Yeah. like it, To me, Rocky feels like one of those characters where I'm like, the more rich and successful you get, the more I'm like less, or sorry, the less I'm interested in your story. Cause I think that all those details of practicing in a church instead of a gym or you, you know, using a studio apartment for, you know, your, your home practice and like having random pets and, you know, living in like kind of a rough neighborhood, not like not so much enough rough neighborhood, but just like living in like a humble neighborhood. And it's like the more that like, because I, I once um, I watched Rocky Five a couple of years ago because we were doing at the Talk Film Society, like a Rocky, R- Rocky and Creed retrospective. I think it was right when Creed 2 was coming out, maybe. As I watch Rocky mm-hmm. Five, because I'm like, what's the most random, like forgotten other franchise? I'm interested in that. And I watch Rocky Five and I'm like, that's the one where like he loses his money and has to go back. And I'm like, I'm kind of interested in that, like this part of the neighborhood and like this, this version of Rocky is someone mm-hmm. who is very eager and hungry and needs to prove himself and is like on the verge of quitting versus one that's like on the top of the world and getting, you know, winning the fight in, you know, and I, I just like, I agree that like there's something so, um, you know, like the, the 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 greediness of this movie is what I think makes me so interested in it. And so, like, um, like to me, this feels like one of those like franchises, like Alien and the Terminator. I'm like, I don't know. Like, if you, if you just cut off all the sequels, no matter how good or bad they are, just cut them off. You have this like perfect, you know, yes. little capsule of a story that feels cohesive, that feels like coherent and has an endpoint and it leaves you thinking and leaves you engaged and, and and excited but not but you don't need to continue. not dissatisfied yeah yeah exactly um yeah 
One thing I wanted to talk about in in this film also that I found really striking is that like Rocky lives in a violent world, and so does yeah. um, Adrian. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both uh, subject. You know, like Adrian's being subjected to violence from her drunk brother, and um, and she's you know seems kind of starts out scared of the outer world like she's kind of just collapsed in on herself and almost a shut-in um as a result of that violence and then you have rocky who his nature is not violent he doesn't enjoy inflicting violence but he has no options like he doesn't have anything else that will earn him a living and like yeah the jokes they make about well you know when he says to the turtles if you guys could sing and dance i wouldn't be doing this um and and then he tells uh adrian you know she's like why do you box he's like because i can't sing and dance so you know you get the the sense of like rocky surviving in a world full of violence and that rewards violence and doesn't give him options for opting out of the violence but his nature is actually incredibly sweet and you know you have the romance juxtaposed against the violence of the fighting ring and just everyday life that they're going through and um it's one of the things i love about it like the first time you see him with adrian it's at the pet shop and the Mm -hmm. pet shop is a place of like nurturing like she cares for the animals and rocky loves the animals as well and that's like a little core, a little place where they can connect where there isn't any violence, yeah. you know, it's full of nurturance. And, um, you know, I, I, it's just in, and the way that the, the romance progresses is very gentle for the most part. I mean, there's a few moments, but the way he talks to her, the way he woos her, he woos her with bad jokes yeah and you know and the skating ring oh my god the skating ring is so great you know it's such a great scene and like you said it's an well why do you think it's an iconic scene i mean i think there's something so special about going on a date where it's a public place but it's also empty you know and there's like and it's also like the like the romance of like convincing the like the janitor or whatever guy to like let them skate for 10 minutes and you know he's yelling you know nine minutes eight right, minutes right. <laughs> it's just like so unique and so just and it feels like also like the first time that someone is talking to rocky and like asking him questions and like listening and he's also like you know, and, and mm-hmm. Adrian is such a, like, I think she's a fascinating character because, like, um, she doesn't have a lot of dialogue, especially, you know, in these, like, early scenes of their, like, courtship before they're, you know, together. A lot of what she does is, because to me, the arc is kind of like, they're they're both having this, like, Cinderella story kind of moment where, you know, he's kind of plucked from obscurity to you know, uh, fight Apollo Creed. And she's this, you know, like, mousy, quiet, very, like, invisible woman at a pet shop. And he kind of picks her out of obscurity and kind of is like, hey, I 
I like you and I want to court you and I want to like woo you. And so, and the way he does it, it's like, he doesn't take her to, you know, like a fancy restaurant that he can't afford. It's like this very like thing of like, I can only offer you to like pay $10 or however much to like, let the guy let, let us skate for 10 minutes. And that's our whole date. Right. Um, and so there's something so like charming and like, like scrappy about it. I mean, I keep using that word, but it just feels so much like, you know, these are people that just like can't afford a lot and don't allow themselves a lot of luxuries, but they find this little, this, these little moments together. And there's something kind of like, you know, memorable and romantic about the, an empty skating rink, especially if he's not skating either. Like he's trying to right, keep up with Right, because he can't even afford the skates for himself. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and it's like, um, like, uh, and he like listens, like, you know, he, sh- you know, he knows that she likes skating and that's what they do. And it's like, to me, there's like such a like, uh, it's such a like, it's his own kind of like, you know, rough Philadelphia neighborhood version of courting a woman, you know, it's like, it's not going to yeah. be the way that someone from the more affluent part of Philadelphia is going to court a woman. And it's going to be and she's also not like, she also has her own psychological, you know, or her own like internal struggles that doesn't let her be more act. I mean, this is something I want to talk to you about because like, I, you know, I, I, I did some research and kind of read some like articles about this movie in terms of its like, you know, romantic subplot. And there was some thinking of like, well, you know, like, is she actually consenting? Is he just kind of like bullying her into dating him? And I'm kind of like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I wish there's a little bit more agency on her side to like say like, oh, actually, I'm charmed by your bad jokes or, you know, I want to go in with you or I want to do this with you. But at the same time, it seems like she's so like folded into herself that I don't think she even knows that she can say what she wants. You know, well, there's also a cultural context for all this. Like, you know, yeah. viewing viewing it through a 2023 lens versus, you know, yeah, yeah. and I mean the idea that um, she's going to be forward with him, uh, it. it you know, and and in a culture where, you know, you could be labeled a whore. And he actually has a scene with a a young girl, like, well, she's a teenager where she's on the corner cursing and drinking with a bunch of guys. And he drags her home and says, these guys are not going to respect you. They're going to think you're a whore. Even if you aren't, even if you never sleep with them, they're going to think you're a whore because of how you're talking. Um, I mean that the consequences of that are actually pretty severe mm-hmm. in that context. So, like, you already have the fact that Adrian is an introvert uh, to the point of being agoraphobic, maybe you know, and her brother is abusive to her. Um, and so, you know, she's she's just she's not in a position where she can overtly consent however one thing that stood out to me is like when they're on their date he goes into his apartment and leaves the door open for her to come in she doesn't have to go in she can leave at that point yeah and so she chooses to go in and um he does corner her to kiss her and he's pretty insistent on kissing her but then she kisses him back pretty strongly to the point where they land on the floor and, you know, I think, like I said, I think a lot of it is just, yeah, you know, you have to review it in the context of the time it was filmed. I mean, I definitely don't think she was being taken advantage of no, or doing anything so. she didn't want to do. 
Um, and you see later on, she does have a lot of agency, like when they have the big fight with Polly and he breaks up the apartment and um, Rocky goes to her bedroom and she goes, you want a roommate? And he's like, absolutely. You know, <laughs> I mean, she's the one who initiates them moving in together. And, you know, she blossoms and you see her, you know, dressing in red and she gets yeah. him a dog. She buys him the dog. Uh, so I think Adrian does exercise agency in the story. It's just quieter. And yeah, it, yeah. And in the cultural context, I mean, the context of 1977, but also of Philadelphia, you know, like these urban, white, working class to poor neighborhoods where, you know, there's very, very strict uh, social sanctions on behaving certain ways if you're a woman. Um, so, I, yeah, I think, it was interesting I, watching that yeah. scene, though. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I, I think what happened with me, what I find interesting and like in reflect when hearing what you're saying and kind of reflecting back to my own experience, I think that I had re really built up this movie as like, I mean, this movie, I would still classify it as a romance. I and mean, I think, you know, obviously the movie ends the way it does, well, which we'll get to because I think it's a great ending. Um, and it, it has a romance movie ending and you know, the, the romance is a driving force, but I think I had built it up as more of like a more like a give and take kind of courtship. And I didn't quite remember Adrian being so introverted and so shy and so internal. Um, so I think I was like a little taken aback by that and a little like unsure of like, oh, did I just actually like build this movie up to be this like great romance in my memory? And then it's not that at all, but I mean, I, I, I agree with you in that, like, a lot of, you know, I mean, this is a very, like, seeming, like, religious neighborhood. And, like, yeah, Sylvester Stallone, I mean, I don't know his personal life as well, but I I'm, I'm, can imagine that, like, he also, like, wouldn't know, like, if he's building this movie off his own, like, experiences or his own, like, you know, for himself, then, like, he might not be aware of like how to like craft a more like a different kind of romance and like for him i can see the the thought process of like building the arc this way and making it very internal and then to let you know adrian have that you know like have the agency as she's like kind of detaching herself from her brother and moving out and creating her own um you know, creating her own life. I, I find that to be really interesting. And I really like the, actually, I really like the scene where, you know, they have that fight with Polly because um, I I felt like it, it, like they were really getting to the meat of the, like, meat of the struggle between the brother and the sister and that, like, you know, he wanted her to date Rocky. And then as soon as she did, he's, like, now judging her for it. And is like being very like slut shamey and very and but like right I, the line that she says is like only a dog would say something like that which I found to be a really powerful line because like mm -hmm. it's like wow like she's it, it, to me like that scene showed a lot more um, like self awareness and a lot more inner strength that I think that I had given her credit for in like the earlier parts of the movie and so um, I found that like I really liked her character and I liked how much she like uh, blossoms and is becoming so um like more willing to like stand up to her brother more willing to show some you know show some of her own feelings to Rocky and um 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think this movie is a really, like, I think it's a classic romance for a reason, because I think that, like, it's just, it's not, it's, I guess I thought it would be some kind of, like, more, like, more like a fantasy romance of, like, oh, wow, like, I, you know, he picked me, and he, you know, I'm this, like, mousy girl, you know what I mean? Like, but it felt more, like, gritty and, like, grounded than that, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is kind of interesting, and, like, um, yeah, the, the well, scene she where, has, I think she has a. I'm sorry, got the scene. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, the scene that you mentioned where he leaves the door open for her and she goes in. I kept thinking, like, yeah, I guess if she didn't want to be there, she would just turn around and go. It's not like he was like dragging her in. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Like, and, and actually, to me, that was like very much about this is giving her a choice. Yeah, you know. And she chose to go in there. And, you know, I think that her arc makes this stuff clearer because like when she has her big fight with Polly, she screams, you made me feel like a loser. I'm not a loser. Yeah. You know, and I think it's just this moment of like, it, it does contextualize what had happened before, which is why I was saying it's an abusive relationship with her brother because he's making her feel crappy, you know, and small. And Rocky, you know, um, has to break that down for her. Um, he had a great line, too, where he says, she's got gaps. I've got gaps. We fill each other's gaps. Yeah. Which was great. Oh, you know, <laughs> it's very sweet. and But it's also like small. I think. I think one thing about this romance is I don't mean small, like uh, uh, insignificant, right? But yeah. it's sm- but it's built. The love is built through these really small gestures, mm-hmm. you know, like and and little by little, they both you can see they build each other up. Like the relationship, obviously, she has a a really big change in arc as a result of this relationship but you know rocky too he has somebody who's who's supporting him you know and is on his side and he knows he can trust her and um and just having just knowing that there's somebody there for him changes his whole perspective on the training and going for the trying and to to do his best in the fight a fight he can't win and he knows he can't win but he's going to do his best and it's with her support that he's going to do his his yeah. best and i i think what i find so lovely about this this romance exactly what you're saying is that having someone support him because <clears throat> even his own trainer like uh doesn't really like of course he's he's training them but like rocky how many times is like you know, you didn't even like look at me or pay attention to me. And now that I have this opportunity, you're interested. Right. And, you right. know, the, you know, he has his reasons for, um, you know, Virgis Meredith's character has, has his reasons for doing that. But, you know, not like, oh, you work for a loan shark or whatever. But still, it's like, um, <clears throat> like, I, I get it. Like, you feel like no one is in your corner and then you have, and that even like she's not even there. I mean, she's there in the building, but she's not watching the fight. But even though, even then, it's like she she feels more supportive and more there for him than anyone else, right. even if she's not physically next to him, you know, at, at the ring. Right, right, right. Even a small touch, which I freaking loved when she moves in with him. Suddenly there's contact paper in the shelves <laughs> yeah. and there's like little pictures on the walls and like there's nice linen on the bed. Like they don't have money. Right. But just her being there suddenly his, his, cause his apartment before was just sort of this wreck. 
yeah. wreckage, you know, where he slept there. And yeah, he tried to make it a home with his pets, but it's very, very like chaotic and empty and dirty. And then she comes in and now they have, you know, a small cocoon, you know, like, a yeah. small, and it's very subtle. Like I just, you know, it's not like they do a pan on what she's done to change the apartment. I just noticed it because I'm looking for, you know, when I do this podcast, I'm looking at things like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, look, you know, she she made his home a real home. Like they created a home together, even though it's a crappy single apartment. And, um, you know, yeah. And and the other thing that I was struck by. I, and I don't know if this was on purpose or not, but like the the physical environment of the story is like another character in the story i mean like the weather the fact that it's so cold all the time you know and you can see how cold it is and um the fact that the the streets are so narrow and and it really feels constrained you know the only time that he breaks out of that is when he goes up the steps to the um museum yeah and does you know with the fate that's the most iconic part of the movie right when he runs up the steps and and but you know that break but they really do it the reason it lands is because it's so effective at making you feel closed in on those narrow narrow streets where everything is dirty and dark and it's freezing cold and it's you know it's almost suffocating physical environment um and you know but with adrian and and rocky like he's able to break through to something more open and joyful and she's got you know uh, a place where she can nurture because she seems like a naturally nurturing person based on how she is in the pet shop but now she's in an environment where it's appreciated (laughs) where she's not being abused right yeah and then you see her blossom you know when she has that opportunity um so, yeah, I mean, I, so it's interesting that you were saying about, I, I remembered this as a, a big romance and it is, but it is, I mean, it's, it is a romance, a, a very important romance, you know, it's just yeah. that the way it unfolds is not what we're used to. Right. Right. Cause like, yeah, exactly. Like I think I had <clears throat> a totally different like <clears throat> idea of how the romance would play out, but I find it to be so beautiful, this movie, because there's such a contrast between um, <clears throat> Rocky and Apollo Creed. I mean, of course, but I was like, I'm not the first person to point that out in terms of like how they, how they kind of build their worlds around them. You know, one of my favorite, yeah. lo- one of my favorite little scenes in the movie is when, you know, Apollo Creed is like, you know, he's doing something about the, the tour or whatever. And it's like not related to the fight at all. Um, and one of his like trainers or his like one of his his entourage is like watching Rocky fight on television, and he's like, "You should pay attention to this because like he could actually you know like give you a run for your money." And um, but it just feels like you know Apollo Creed is surrounded by all these people in suits, and they're all like very con- like they have a very controlled like thing about like this is a star we need to like be with the star and like make sure that he's comfortable and whatever. And he's all these other like um, obligations and things that he's concerned about. He's not focused on training or fighting. And, um, mm-hmm. and I, I love that contrast because like, you know, I mean, I, like I understand like Apollo Creed becomes, you know, of course he becomes like a, a friend and like a, you know, it becomes a big part of the franchise, but in this movie, 
he's such a like specter and it's such a like you get such small glimpses of who he is as a person and what his life is like i don't know if you can see his wife or anything in this movie maybe you do but she's not not as much i think in rocky as in rocky 2 or of course the creed movies um mm-hmm. but um what i find so interesting is that like rocky's life for all of its you know very humble poor you know rough you know thing it's like it feels much more homely as we're saying because of you know adrian and he it feels more like he's like more engaging because it's so different like he's training in like the back of a you know meat butcher shop or wherever he is like right right like hanging carcasses i mean that's it's like to me that that feels like something that you might see on like twitter of like wow this guy like he came from nothing and he's like you know (laughs) training in like the back you know it's like and then like and and I, i find that like it's so um like there's just so much like love in Rocky's life after Adrian comes into it. And I think he's always, you know, like he it's, you know, I think another really great scene is when he's saying like, yeah, I can't win this fight, but I'm going to go the distance. And he, and like that acknowledgement of like, I might not like that, like success looks differently for Rocky, which I find, I always find that to be really interesting in sports movies where it's like, the you know the it's not just about like winning or losing but it's about like the actual like like the like the game or the match or the fight and um having like and i think even with like apollo creed it's like that's the other contrast of like you know he needs to win this because it's his like reputation is all he has everything to lose and rocky has nothing to lose and that's what powers him and and i think even and the even like rocky's own stakes are like i want to make sure that like i you know i'm not you know, causing more damage to my body and that like my wife respects me or my girlfriend respects me and that like I can provide for her and provide for myself. Um, so I just find that like, you know, like the the humbleness in this movie and the like, mm-hmm. you know, the it's, it's something that I really appreciated this time around is especially is like seeing how, um, seeing the contrast between Creed and Rocky and how like, you know, just like how different like how even how like different the filmmaking is in in those in the in their scenes like yeah like Creed it's like so like static and like in like small rooms and like dark mm-hmm. and like and yeah with Rocky yeah like as you're saying it's very claustrophobic but there's also a lot of like outdoor scenes like or um like he's out on the street or on the steps right he's training around and t- like to me that feels more um there's like a there's just like that has like that like 70s like grittiness to it and those scenes and i think the creed scenes are a little bit more polished looking um and i find that to be really interesting yeah i agree i mean it was like um also the interviews they give to the press are like so drastically different yeah where you know creed has like these speaking points and he's like making quips and rhyming and you know on obviously based on muhammad ali um and uh yeah and then rocky is just you know he's not media trained he doesn't know what to say on camera he just says whatever comes off the top of his head um so yeah you have that huge contrast and i think also though you know i really appreciate the depiction of a blue collar life that I found like the seventies did so well, like that was such a, and I don't think is done well now um, of like, 
it doesn't feel voyeuristic. It doesn't feel like it's someone on the outside looking in at, at people's lives who haven't actually been through it. It feels authentic. It feels like this is a lived experience of somebody who's actually been there and gone through a lot of these things. Not if, if not literally, but like what those communities are like, you know, I mean, I grew up, uh, I didn't grow up in Philadelphia, but I grew up in the Bronx in a blue collar neighborhood and, you know, just how everybody knows you and everybody's hanging out on the corner and people yeah. have a, a idea of the kind of person you are. Um, you know, all of that felt very real in this, you know, um, very much like exactly that kind of community. Um, but not, but not portrayed in a condescending or, or judgmental way. It's just like, this is how it is. You know, this is how these folks live. And even like the, the, the two big guy who breaks people's thumbs for a living is never really that demonized. Yeah. Which I found interesting. You know, he's at the fight. He's at the big fight. So, um, yeah, I really appreciated that. And plus, you know, this is just a nostalgia thing, but that 70s film grain that, of yeah. course, doesn't exist anymore and the lighting and... I I find myself, like, I mean, even getting to the 80s and 90s, like, when I watch movies from, like, 30 to, like, yeah, 30 to, like, 50, 60 years ago, I'm just, like, there's just so much of that, um, that, yeah, that grainy look, which I think is so... Because you're right in that nowadays, like when we had movies about that, there's just like, I mean, not that there aren't talented filmmakers out there, of course there are, and they who have done a lot of really amazing things, but like that that polish to be, it's it's missing. Mm -hmm. It's like it, there's something missing with the polish there, even if everything else is working well. It's like, but I still know that like this was made with the best camera, with the most care, attention to paid to Correct. it, you know, um, and and I. I mean, I, I want to pivot to talking towards the film's director, uh, John G. Um, Avildsen, you know, of course, famous for making the Karate Kid movies, or at least a couple of them. And, um, you know, I find that, like, he you know, he won the Academy Awards for this movie. Um, and we also won Best Picture and Best Editing among, like, I think seven or eight other nominations. So it was a big hit, both, like, critically mm -hmm. and financially and with, and with the Oscars. But I find what, what's so interesting about you know, Avildsen's direction in this movie is that everything feels very, like, um, not exactly improvisational, but just feels very loose, especially mm -hmm. in scenes that are, like, you know, of course, the fight is, like, choreographed, of course, but, like, the more, like, the dialogue scenes and, like, just, like, the montages and everything, everything just feels so, like, loose and low-key and grounded, and I find that to be, and, like, I find that, to, that, that this movie has such a like beautiful aesthetic to it because it is so as you're saying like there's something like it feels like these people have like lived through these experiences you know like Sylvester Stallone of mm -hmm. course did I mean he's basing I'm sure he's basing a lot on this on his own life but even so it feels like there's a like a respect and a like um uh just like a, a really like sharply observed element to this movie of how People, even when the movie kind of tips into like more like kitchen sink melodrama and um you know as like you know during like the big confrontation scenes and stuff but even so there's such a like like humanity to it that mm -hmm. i find that like again like as we go into the 80s kind of gets lost a little 
Well, the 80s were such a, oh God, I mean, (laughs) having lived through that transition, it was really stark, you know, um, because it really went from this weird, like, so we had like a, you know, this transition period after the Vietnam War and pulling out of Vietnam without a victory. And um, a lot of institutions in the 70s just kind of decaying and breaking down and then the 80s were like a backlash to all that so that's why you have all of like i mean sylvester stallone's career because he did the rambo movies Mm -hmm, right and they were huge hugely successful and the rambo movies were all about refighting the vietnam war to win it (laughs) and um you know you had uh this the rise of the far right machine started in the 80s and you had um, the uh, moral majority, uh, Jerry Falwell, and then Wall Street, you know, like, um, I forgot the name of the book, but the Tom Wolfe book that got made into a movie with Tom Hanks, what's the name of the, Uh, but about about Wall Street traders, and that's all in the 80s too. So yeah, the zeitgeist made a drastic change at that point where winning was really important. And like the idea that Rocky won his humanity and that that's what really counted, not the fight. It was winning his own humanity uh, is like a loser idea in the 80s. <laughs> it's like, what is this bullshit? Like, yeah. you know, losing to win your soul. Fuck your soul. You should be winning the fight. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I did see like some of the sequels, but none of them made any impression on me at all. I haven't seen Creed, so just full disclosure. Um but I think, you know, just um, it's pretty brilliant to focus. I mean, it's a very within the zeitgeist to focus on Creed's son, you know. Yeah. Oh, and another thing I wanted to talk about a little bit, because as I was watching this and going, would Rocky be a Trump supporter today? <laughs> Hollywood, Polly would be. Yeah. Hundred percent, Polly would be, uh, but you know the whole Trumpism is targeting guys like this who just feel like they're going nowhere and have no options. I would say Rocky in Rocky One, maybe not. Yes, but I think as he gets into two, three, four, five, you know, Rocky Balboa, I feel like it's definitely leading into that because, well, I, I think, I think what would speak to him about Trumpism is that. You know, I come from nothing and I, you know, but like Rocky is an actual rags riches story. Unlike, you know, like a lot of like, so it's that, dem- it's that same demographic of people who feel that they've been let down by the establishment. But I don't know if I feel that Rocky feels let down by the establishment, you know, like he, I, this movie doesn't- he never resents Creed. Meanwhile, other people like yeah. Creed, Creed alludes to the racial politics. Uh, he doesn't hit it hard, but he alludes yeah. to the racial politics with the Italian stallion. That's why he picks him. Yeah. And then there's a racial slur in one of the bar scenes early on. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't want to repeat it cause it's gross, but right. it's very accurate. Like, that would be how people would be talking, but Rocky never talks that way. And he never talks about Creed resentfully. Like he's always like, wow, he's the champ. He's, he's the, he's look at him. He's great. He's a great fighter. He's a great showman. You know, like he never, even when other people come to him and they try to drag uh, Creed, I guess, to like make Rocky feel better or to like pump up Rocky, Rocky never goes for it. He always like kind of goes, no, you know, 
Yeah. I don't need to do that. Exactly. (laughs) He he is great. You know? Yeah. I mean, that to me is like the genius of this movie is that, um, and, and I think what gets so lost when you kind of come back to the story, come back to the story and like have Rocky win or have them like, is that like, the relationship between Creed and Rocky for me is like a very significant relationship because it is this thing of like, he's my rival, but I don't resent him. And I like, I don't, I don't know if Rocky even sees him as a rival. I think he sees him as just like, you know, like this, like the best, the best fighter out there that I have to do this. And I don't think I, I mean, and I want to talk about the ending because like, I agree with you that like the power of the ending I feel like would get does definitely does get lost in the eighties because like, you know, I can imagine like the when I was watching Rocky two with my parents, I was thinking like, you had this perfect movie and then now like the movie ends with like they're not gonna have a rematch, he loses, but his love is reaffirmed and he's happy. And yeah. I'm like but then to start the movie right after that fight and they're like you know, Creed wants rematch and I'm the, I mean to his credit, Rocky spends the whole movie not wanting to rematch, but then he agrees to it. And I'm like, but I can see that like Sylvester Stallone being like, yeah, I got to win the fight now. You know, the audience wants me to see the fight, wants me to right. win the fight. But I'm like, right. I it just like, the ending to me is so romantic. I was like crying. I mean, I've seen the movie before, of course. And like, but I was feeling so emotional at the ending of just like this idea that like he, the success was that he, you know, went the full round, full number of rounds. He's screaming for his wife. She's trying to get back to him. I mean, to me, that's, that's romance. <laughs> you know, oh my god! Yeah, that's, it was. That to me is the like, the like. That's the that's the win for him. That's the win for all of us, right? But um, I'm getting chills thinking about yeah. it because you've got the music going, which is fantastic. The soundtrack is amazing, and like you've got those strings, and she's fighting through the crowd, and then her. Uh, beret gets pulled off her head as she's trying to get to him and he's screaming her name and then the very last thing they say in the film is i love you oh my god that's amazing like in a sports film and such a brutal again like they that they live in such a brutal world in this world of violence but the very last message of the film is about the love yeah which is fantastic yeah that's like gotta be one of the best endings to a film ever you know like like certain films have iconic endings oh well, like yeah. casablanca yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean where you just like go yeah that's it man boop that's it it doesn't need anything else it's too bad that the money train came in and yeah right well it, it reminds it, me of the movie like the ending of like titanic or like when harry met sally where it's like I mean, Titanic especially, like, like, well, when Harry met Sally, it reminded me of that a lot because, like, that movie has the two of them declaring love for each other while New Year's Eve is happening and they're not paying attention to New Year's Eve. And it's, like, I love uh, this idea of, like, you're so into, like, like, you're so in love that whatever else is happening outside does not matter. So, like, Kree's getting interviewed, they're declaring him the winner, but Rocky doesn't even care. I feel like even if they declared him the winner, he wouldn't care either. He would still be looking for his right. wife and hugging her and kissing her and, and, you know, reaffirming his love. And, you know, Titanic ends with, you know, Rose having her dream or whatever you want to, you know, to call it of, you know, meeting everyone else and, you know, being with, you know, with Jack. And it's like, yeah, Titanic has a sad ending, but also has this like weirdly happy ending where the last thing you see is this reunion between these star-crossed lovers. And it's like, 
it's like to me like Titanic wins best picture because of that last scene and Rocky wins best picture because of this ending because like yes it, it makes it feel even better than if he had won because it's like everything that matters to him he gets which is that he went the full round and he has his wife or his girlfriend with him and they love each other and, and, that's, and that's all that matters that's all that matters and the thing is like that scene had people literally cheering in the theater you know it was one of those yeah like you know people cheering stomping of course i'm in the bronx it's very loud but you know like it was but it was honestly just like that moment and everybody felt it it was a moment that just like you left the theater on a cloud you know yeah yeah i mean i would love to see rocky on the big screen at some you know retrospective screening i mean i wish i'd seen it back then when to like my parents saw it um I think either they saw it in the first run or they saw it in like one of their like repeat runs later because they got married in 1976. So, um, I mean, they they were in India for like the first half of 1977. But I know they did see this movie in the theaters. Right? And like, I, you know, like to me, like this is like one of those movies that's just like when it's on, we have to watch it or like we all have fond memories of watching it because it feels like one of those like important cultural moment zeitgeist water cooler movies right like, yeah oh totally it's all of those things and like i one thing that i really i feel i feel resentful for is that like we don't really have a lot of those anymore because entertainment's so fractured right um, and that like i mean like i guess like this you know this summer like everyone saw oppenheimer everyone saw barbie so that's kind of you know i think that's we're getting back to that maybe like when there's like an event movie but um it's like i to me like rocky just feels like such a special movie i mean it really redefined the sports movie i feel like it really like i mean for better or worse it did catapult this franchise from an original idea like it's not like a comic book character or a novel or a tv show or anything it's just like Sloan was like hey i got this idea for a movie he made it and it took off and now like we're still seeing rocky sequels you know with yep the three creed movies which I do recommend, I feel like Creed 1 definitely has the same energy as Rocky and definitely is like a really well done, beautiful movie. So I do recommend you watching it because it it does capture a lot of this kind of, you know, like special energy. Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out why I haven't seen it, but it's also, it, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely looking, I got to go watch it now that um, I've seen and, this because uh, I really do want to see how the French I'm sorry go ahead yeah I mean I think all the I think all the Rocky movies are on Netflix now um they're about to leave though they're about to leave yeah I think I'm yeah so leave. I gotta make a point of watching <laughs> but like um yeah I think it's you know it's it's um like I said it's I, I wonder how uh, a younger audience would respond to this film would they laugh at it? Would they find it embarrassing? I really wonder. I don't know because like there's so much. The zeitgeist has changed so much. You know what I mean? And and um, there's uh, uh, almost a mistrust of sincerity. I mean, it's it's hard to know for me because like, not that I'm like as young as the people that you're talking about. Like, I think you probably mean like teenagers. Um, but in, well, like twenty somethings, yeah. you know. I, I think what's interesting is like I like you know watching this movie. I'm like I want to like be swept away by it, and like I'm here for the sincerity. I'm here for that, and I I want to say that I think that kids in like their 
in their teens or their 20s would also feel that way because like this movie is just like you know hands down well made like it's effective yes. I, think, I think it stands the test of time but it's also hard to know because like i'm also even if i were you know 20 watching this movie just me even me at 20 would be wanting to be swept away by this movie just because like i'm, I'm interested in it and it's like the, the history of it the like the like you know lightning the bottle of it all like that that would speak to me in a way that I'm not sure might speak to someone else who isn't interested in movies and stuff. But I do think that this movie is timeless. And I think that people would really, if anything, I think that like that final sequence would really stir something in them because it's hard not to. I mean, I don't know how you can be cynical about that ending. You know, oh, I, I really I don't. Know. I mean, it's... I guess you could because it's like, you know, like, oh, I, I guess you could because you can be cynical about anything, but I'm like, how it's so it's just like full-blown like romance you know that to me it's like this is the kind of movie that this is the kind of ending that really you know makes a movie a classic yes yeah i agree we should we should we should do an online screening for gen z and millennials yeah, like, I, what I do you guys really think <laughs> i mean I, i'd really be curious to know yeah yeah it's... do you have um any like uh and we talked a lot, a lot about this movie, but any kind of like your favorite lines or moments or scenes that we didn't touch upon or anything else you wanted to, you want to bring up? No, I think we're touching everything. You know, it's just like my favorite, probably my favorite scene is like this, the whole ending and but also the date sequence mm -hmm. you know with the uh the skating rink and then leading to his apartment um because it's just like i said it's a small it's a small romance that's but that's huge emotionally huge but small moments that build up to being something huge which i actually love um yeah and and like just i think i would call this movie tender yeah and how much tenderness do we have in films now i like, know almost none yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's kind of depressed actually you know um uh people who don't know me don't know this but like i i watch a lot of asian content and like bollywood and indian films in general and then stuff from korea china and thailand and they still do sincerity yeah and they still do tenderness and nobody's embarrassed by it and nobody's making cynical asides and um I really, you know, it makes me a little sad that Hollywood, I think, you know, has gotten so thoroughly away from doing anything like that. Um, yeah. So I guess that will be my, my favorite part of it is just the fact that it's so, it's such, so tenderhearted, such a tenderhearted film. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I find that, you know, um, it's so, it's so fascinating to me that um, such a, like, a movie that's you know i'm not gonna i don't think it's i mean it's an old movie but a movie from you know like decades ago still kind of like can look this good can feel this good could really feel like it doesn't feel like modern because it does feel of its time but in a way that is more endearing and more i think like more precious to me that it feels very 70s because mm -hmm. you know there was such that that decade of film was so unique and so influential across even now. I mean, I think even now people are, you know, crediting Scorsese and Spielberg and George Lucas and, 
De Palma and all those guys, Coppola as influences, and they're all still working to some degree too. And and um, and I, I feel like that you know, Rocky. I mean, of course, like you know, it's now almost fifty years, and we're still having sequels, and I'm sure there'll be a Creed four at some point. Um, but I just, I mean it's really kind of just like it all just kind of came from this very small movie. I mean, that to me is so that's so shocking to me when I think about it, of like, there's such a like small movie barely made it like made for a million dollars that just like yeah. hit the zeitgeist and everyone loved it. And it made like, you know, 200, $300 million in the box office. And now like sports movies changed, box office history changed, you know, careers changed. Everything was different from this one movie. And that's really, it's really special. And that this movie yeah. holds up under all that pressure and is still massively entertaining, massively romantic, massively inspiring. You know, I mean, the training montage, how we've seen that montage so many times and like gonna fly now is like still such a like a banger, you know? It makes yeah. you feel so pumped. <laughs> I'm like, yes, this has been parodied countless times and it still works. It's still, uh, it still has that power to it. Yeah, it's always like fantastic. Sometimes you go revisit something you used to love and go, "Well, wow, this is actually not <laughs> what I thought it was." Yeah. Uh, but I agree. I do agree with you. I just Rocky is iconic for a reason, and it's it it holds up. So if you're like wondering, you should rewatch it, or maybe watch it for the first time because you haven't seen it. I would definitely say yes. But if you want to do it on Netflix, do it soon. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to go away soon. I know. I was like, I, yeah, I, I was really happy that it was so readily available. Um, but um, Alisa, well, you know, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again um, and talking about this amazing movie. I'm so glad that you are here for the opening episode of the sports romance uh, miniseries. But please let the listeners know where they can find you, what you're working on, anything that you'd like to share. Yes. So you can find me in two places on Twitter. One is um, at Bollywood Newbie, all one word, where I tweet about Indian films. And then I have a podcast on Asian dramas. And my podcast Twitter is at D-A-E-B-A-K podcast one. And that's where you can find me. Great. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Vertigay314 and also follow the podcast at ifpod2du. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, continuing the sports romance miniseries, actually we're talking about Creed um, with my friend uh, Ned Baker, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, kind of going back to the universe, but from a different perspective and see how you know the, the franchise has evolved, or not evolved, since the 70s. Um, look out for that in in two weeks uh alisa thank you again and listeners thanks for listening thank you bye